on the other end of the spectrum, giving correction. Um, that's not always easy either. Cause golly, <laughs> we did get way <laughs> off. Bring it on back. Now, y'all. So that middle part, it needs to be its own. And then you're going to have to stitch these two things together. Good luck. Tanner, have fun. <laughs> editing for 20 minutes over here. <laughs> Talking about bears doing cocaine and stuff. Welcome to the G3 Podcast, guys. Today is a special episode because, it, because it's our beloved Tanner's birthday, turning the ripe old age of 26. Let's go. How does it feel, man? You feel any older? No. No, I feel the same. Uh, you look younger, so I know that happens. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, babe. Anytime. Uh, today, we're going to jump into the subjects of correction and how to take it, when to give it. All the good things yeah. around it. When not so, to give it. I know for me personally, growing up, I did not take correction very well at all. Um, and that was, a big, that was a big thing that my dad worked with me all growing up because uh, I'd take it personally. And I thought it was an attack at me instead of trying to make me better. So that's, I guess that's my brief mm-hmm. overview, brief personal experience with correction uh, on the receiving end. Yeah, I was the... I always did the same same kind of reaction. Um, you'd have somebody chew you out, like in football even, <clears throat> get chewed out, and it, you took it, like, I took it really hard. And even, like, today, I still take it pretty hard just because I want to be, like, the best version of myself. And especially if that someone is, like, close to me, like if, let's just say Chase was to tell me, hey, dude, you're screwing up, this is what you need to do. I'm going to take it ten times heavier than some random person that I don't know, you know? And I, but I think that's healthy, too. Um <laughs> Because you're giving more um, stock mm-hmm. in the people who are close to you, which I think that's legit. Because some random person on the street, he's like, "Hey, you're being a lazy bum," and you're like, "Okay, <laughs> you don't even know me. You're, <laughs> yeah. on, the, you're on the street. Yeah, dog. You're, on the sh- <laughs> you're on the street." <laughs> yeah. Brief side note: We were talking in our fantasy league, like what we're going to do for our punishment this year. Mm-hmm. And the two things we came up with is: you either have to buy an assisted device off of a homeless person, or you have to be a homeless person in Amarillo until you raise twenty dollars. So, um, wow. so the average punishment. homeless person in Amarillo raises ten dollars an hour, and they make an average of forty-three thousand dollars a year. So, I think that it would be pretty easy to do within <laughs> two hours. <laughs> I did my research, bro. New York. He was like, "I'm gonna be New homeless." York, Forty-six thousand dollars a year. They make more than me a year, <laughs> and I make twenty bucks an hour. <laughs> this is infuriating. And you're working, bro. Yeah, but they'll never have the knowledge, tail. bro, that you have. But talk about the yeah. worth and the meaning. Um, <laughs> they are solely dependent on other people being generous. That's true. You and that generosity is starting to run out, dude. Yeah, a lot of people are caring less and less. Well, and diesel six dollars a gallon. That's also true. <laughs> you got a thirty-six gallon tank. That's thirty-six dollars. <laughs> that's not going in someone's pocket. Right. <laughs> oh, I was. Gosh, this is just gonna be a crazy episode. Uh, but I was talking to one of my patients, and he said, for every cent that gas goes up. $500,000 a day is taken out of American discretionary spending. Wow. <laughs> it makes sense though, yeah, right? When you consider the entire yeah. United States, one cent. Wow. And it's gone up like 200 cents. Yeah. So we're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars per day. Yeah. And we're, let's say we're ha- we're halfway through the year. So 180 days at hundreds of millions of dollars per day. 
that's taken out of the economy. Billions people, and billions. And yeah. Billions. <laughs> By the time it's said and done, yeah. So it's terrifying. Yeah, that's ridiculous. People don't really like, yeah, it sucks. And when you go to fill up, you're like, ah, oh, but you don't think, well, Everybody uh, else. based off of our budget, we're going to eat out one less meal a night. We're going to yeah. spend one less day on vacation. We're going to not buy those new, new shoes, not buy that new outfit, not get that new gym. Like you name it. Tears and, just right. rolling down my face. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think a lot of people's generosity and like, I guess just like caring for other people is getting worse and worse? think because there's such a strong divide not not just primarily in the political climate but just in the world in general mm-hmm. i mean we're seeing more people that are more classist about a lot of things i feel like the explain high classist keeping, to me the so. high keeping to themselves the low keeping to themselves poor people hate the rich people rich people oh, hate like the financial poor people. class yeah yeah and the middle class is bearing a lot all of that <laughs> yeah and it's either like the middle class wants to act like rich people or they want to act like poor people and say we got a division there as well it's a lot easier if you act like you're poor see that's what you think i heard a quote one time that it said a rich man can play broke forever but a broke man can only play rich for so long and that stuck with me a long time ago yeah crazy yeah hank trail said uh (laughs) (laughs) there's a quote from him bro (laughs) can't remember and i was talking to my sister a little bit about that subject and what do you want your life to look like? What do you want living to look like to you? Like, do you do you want your you and your wife to go to work every single day uh, when you have a kid, or do you want to like make some sacrifices or along the edges so that your wife can stay home with the baby, or you stay home with the baby, depending on like who's the primary breadwinner mm-hmm. for the household? Of course, yeah. um, because if someone's making eighty thousand dollars a year and the other person's making forty thousand dollars a year person making 80 doesn't need to stay home um or do you want people to go to work and you have that new vehicle or you have that barn in your back you you name it um what sacrifices are you willing to make to either be home with your kid or not yeah which i think is really important yeah i think that weighs a lot more than anything money can do i personally well it's gonna live on yeah um especially like in your situation with wes and katie like Caitlin's able to feed into them and she's mm. in control for the most part of what they get to see and experience on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and then when y'all die someday, Lord willing, Katie and Wes are going to be living on. Um, doing the same thing with their kids who are doing mm-hmm. the same thing. Which if you think about it, we're the super watered down version of like all the people <coughs> that wrote the Constitution. So how are we so far off track? That's what I want to know. You know what I mean? You think I mean, everybody just gets lazier and lazier as we go down the line? You want to talk about like division off track? George Washington yes. said, "Don't make this a two-party system." And then he died, and then and then right that. away, so literally, <laughs> yeah, parties. yeah. Was it Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson was like, "Nope, <clears throat> cut it in half." Like, I yeah. don't want anything to do with these other guys. Really? Yeah. They I mean, not even good. like ten years after he died. Not even ten years after he died. And so then, it was old George trying to hold us together. Old George was trying to man, hold us I together. George, RIP, man. Dude was a stud. Yeah. He just the like the funniest thing about him is they were like, "Oh man, we just founded a new nation. <laughs> what are we supposed to do?" And they were like, "Well, I guess this dude has led us into battle a couple dozen times would probably be all right to run it." And he was like, "What, dude?" Like, and he won unanimously. Yeah, like it, no one voted for anyone else. Yeah. Like he like, had oh, all of the votes. Oh, George, yeah, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. George sounds like a solid, 
Yes, indeed. His last name is Washington. But doesn't he have like what, teeth name? or something? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Normal people see hippo teeth and be like, man, that's big. George sees hippo teeth and go, mm, I need a new set. <laughs> That's crazy. We know that George actually did cut down the tree. This is... He made it into teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a picture of a mama hippo eating her baby. Oh, wow. And it's called infant side. Like when you... Yeah, infant... uh, Infant side, I think. Infant inside? No. no, Yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of checks out. (laughs) But she's eating her baby. I don't know why, if it was just like a lack of resources type of a thing. Um... Or that that baby wasn't gonna live on. It's or like, maybe the geez. baby was already dead, bro. Could be. Or that uh, the baby looked alive. <laughs> God. Sorry. <laughs> and then I was thinking because I was at a stoplight, like scrolling through. <laughs> <laughs> it's not distracted driving if you're not driving, bro. And of course, I was the first the one day. in line. I was like, I've really got to keep an eye on this red light when it turns green because I don't want to be that guy. Uh, <laughs> but then I was like, man, that's pretty rough. And I was like, that's nature. This is. This is, real this is stuff that goes on. And like, if you're just willfully blind and ignorant to these things, you're, you don't have a good idea of how the world works. Um, so I follow the, it's like called ruthless nature, mm-hmm. I believe is mm-hmm. the name of the page. And I see some wicked stuff and I'm like, man, so glad that I'm not a baby hippo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning thanking God. Not a baby hippo today. With a psycho mom. <laughs> Hippos are terrifying, dude. Their top speed is like 38 miles an hour or something like that. Can you Google that? I will. We had to do that. They can run fast, dude. Do you remember Stigler? He ran like 20, 30. 28 30. miles an hour, 25 30 miles an hour, hour or something. Mm-mm. He ran 20-something miles an hour, and everybody in football is making the joke that if he had ran through the school zone, he would have been speeding. So hmm. Usain that, Bolt's average speed is, is like 28 miles an hour, so technically, like comparatively, Usain Bolt is faster than like a T-Rex would have been on land. Wow. Yeah. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is probably the only person that could outrun a T-Rex at all of humans now. I don't know. There's a lot of dudes that are real close to Usain Bolt, bro. Well, yeah, just the, the, the cream of the but crop. But he is the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's say if a second place could probably outrun a T-Rex. Yeah. What y'all think? Do you guys think that? I think that they should start including like somewhat average people in the Olympics for comparison. Just compare. Dude, like, I think Oh, that... yeah. This guy's got like a like 40 yard, you know, like 40 yard or whatever. Yeah, it's like... Seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> just I think that, and I also think on the other end of the spectrum, just let these athletes, like let a certain group of athletes take absolutely whatever they want. Before like, man, like let's see what the human skin. being is actually <laughs> capable right. of. Roid it out. Never <laughs> just, dude. Like how fast can you run before your tendons are literally ripping your bone <sighs> off? <laughs> That'd be crazy. And then you have them all together, and it's like obviously those people they can't get a medal, but it's just like we're, we're, we're <laughs> you get curious. a different medal. <laughs> this is yeah. It's like instead of like platinum or like gold, silver, bronze, it's like yeah. yellow, orange, blue. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there's a story from like the 1920s or something like that where people were transferring like coke through like the mountains, like 1.2 million dollars of cocaine through the mountains, and they got like their train cart overturned by a bear or something. And he ate all of the cocaine and for like, for like 20 minutes. He was the apex predator for the war. <laughs> the apex. He's actually, they found his body and they like, 
Um, did they do an autopsy? No, they like embalmed him, right? Or whatever. They like filled him up with cotton, stuffed him, whatever it's called. Yeah. And they put a top hat and a monocle on him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like some museum somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. You want me bring that question up real quick? Uh, yeah, and oh. I think on the other end, we talked about <laughs> what a tangent that was. Uh, it's like a tangent that gave rise to a tangent, and that tangent gave rise to three more. But. On the other end of the spectrum, giving correction. Um, that's not always easy either. Cause Golly, <laughs> we did get way <laughs> off. Bring it on back. Now, so that middle part, it needs to be its own. And then you're going to have to stitch these two things together. <laughs> Good luck. Tanner, have fun Stop editing. For 20 minutes over here. Talking about bears doing cocaine and stuff. We could call it bonus episode. Yeah, this is the uh, for your listening pleasure. This is the bonus content St- stuff that didn't make it. <laughs> like a two-hour-long episode of us just like talking and laughing. That would be pretty cool. <coughs> so I think that's the type of stuff that I like to watch on YouTube. Sorry, my bad. Go Every ahead. time it's one of us gets that off on a tangent. I think that like the correction. I think. It's hard to take correction from people that you know because you have more respect for them, just like you said. But, like, what about, like, giving correction? Is it easier for you to give correction to people that you know or to people that you don't know? Well, you get... It's easier for you, I think, because that's your job, right? Yeah, and... See, I don't mind it at all in that setting because that's what I'm there for. I'm a professional trying to help an individual either feel or perform better or both. Um, so if form does, if form looks squatty on the deadlift, we're going to clean that up. If mm-hmm. form looks hip hinge dominant on the squat, we want to clean that up. Um, if they're losing neutral spine throughout movements. We want to clean that up and that's for their safety. So that's how I view it. Um, it's for their safety and their overall improvement in the long run. Mm. Uh, but outside of that, like if Corey does something or if you do something or if one of my close friends does something, mm. it's like, man, um, that's not it. Like, <laughs> missed it. Missed but that, but that's mile. hard. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, that's difficult. And I think it's our innate desire, uh, especially us. I think we're people pleasing individuals, so it's hard to please people when you're correcting. Yeah, them. yeah. Um, but it's because I think it's because a lot of people. I don't know. This may not be true. Let me just throw this out here. We'll get started on this little tangent here. But yeah, I think it's because everybody's getting soft. Like we've talked about it a little bit with Tyler. It's like people just can't handle the, hey, you're wrong, or hey, you're in the wrong. What you did was wrong. Those type of deals, because it's a, it in, like instantly flares up this like reaction of, no, you're wrong, you know? And it's like in the Bible, it says, like, don't correct a brother, you know, that has a speck in his eye when you have a log in your own eye. Yeah. So it's like <clears throat> you have to come from a different place. You can't just come straight up and be like, hey, you suck, you know? Yeah. But you have to. Do it gently. My bad, my bad. You have to do it gently. But I don't I don't know the best way to do it either. I've tried a couple of different ways, just like with different people. But everybody's different. And that's one thing that I would love to like learn more about. And I would love to have somebody on this podcast tell me some more about this. I'm, I'm going to apply some of the things that I've been learning. I've read um, a book called Go Give or Sell More and a book called Sell or Be Sold. Um I'm going to 
go at this from that approach. So selling has gotten a bad rap uh, because of the sleazy car salesman, mm. the, the guy selling snake oil, things like that. Window cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> and so salesmen have a bad rap because of that reputation. Um, they sell you a car and the car breaks down a thousand mm. miles later type of a thing. But if you view, especially if you believe in your product, you have to believe in whatever you're selling to be able to sell it um, well, but also viewing it as you're helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's easy for me to do in my, well, it's easy and not easy. It's easy from the fact that it's very clear that my profession involves helping people, helping people feel better, perform right. better. We talked about that. Um, what makes that more challenging is it's not a tangible thing. It's not like they, they come in, they spend X amount of dollars Get and they don't work out. They don't walk out of this clinic yeah. holding anything. Um, but on the other side of that, like if you buy something tangible, like a bicycle, like it's hard to connect that to helping the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you view selling as in genuinely helping the person you're selling your product or service to makes it a lot easier to do. And I think if we view correction like that, hey, I'm coming from a place of love with you, Tanner. I think that X thing you did last week mm-hmm. uh, is out of character for you and it's not going to treat you on the long run. Yep. And I'm coming from a place of love. But if you're not coming from a place of love and you're just being hypercritical, then I don't think that's the answer either. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with like kids. I've noticed because, like, for example, my son... He wants to please, just like all of us in the room, want to take care of like anything that my dad asked me. I'm like, yeah, let me see if I can fix that for you. Let me take care of that. Just because we want to like be that guy. You know what I mean? And I can already see that in like Wesley because I'll tell him like to do something. And you can tell it's just like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. No, I got it. I got it. And it's like, but whenever he does something wrong, it's hard for me to come and sit down and go, okay, this is what you did wrong because he doesn't know better. Whereas like adults, we've we've seen so much and done so much, we should know better on a lot of things, right? But at that like very vulnerable young age, like that weight hits me almost to be like, hey, dude, it's okay. What you did was fine, but this is how you're supposed to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's kind of, it, it's it's more delicate with children, I think. But then as you get to adults, it should be, quote-unquote, should be easier to say, Chase, you screwed up. This is what you did. Come on, dude. You know better. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't click that way, though. I And I think I have a theory on why people are like that. Yes, we, go ahead. We live in a time and an age of instant gratification, like overstimulation, things we want, like social media shows you all the things you want to see. Yeah. They find an algorithm, and you like these groups of things, so they just feed you an infinite supply of that. Yeah. Um, I think that plays a role and we're constantly seeking something like that. Like you see these and nothing against raves, but you see these raves with lights and loud music and people mm-hmm. jumping and hopping and going all over the place. And it's just overstimulation and yep. over like people are seeking pleasure above all else. So that when something comes along, that's not bright lights and loud music and, um, causing an abundance or causing a secretion of dopamine and serotonin. Mm-hmm. It's not good. We don't want any of that. Like, uh, no, give me, so my, give me, give me my Instagram reels. Give yeah, me yeah. my, give me my rave experience. I don't, I don't want this, even though that that's the thing that's probably going to help you develop in the long run. Right. 
So they just basically don't want negative because everything that they get is like spoon-fed positivity and the things that they like. Mm-hmm. Which I can see that even with my own children. It's like they want to watch the music videos they want to watch or they want to listen to the song they want to watch. They want to watch the movie they want to watch. And they don't like the same stuff. And it's like 6.30 in the morning, let's watch a movie or let's get, like, get the day going, let's start some music. I don't like that song. I want to listen to this one. And then the other one's like, no, I like this song. Yeah. Don't change it. And I'm like, dude, I'm just pushing shuffle. Like you get what you get. That yeah. is what it is, you know. It's but about it's, as fair as it can get. Yeah. and But the... The algorithm knows what music I like. You know what I mean? So it's gonna play what I like. That's and that's fine. You're like, these are bangers. Yeah. Your kids are like, I hate this. this Turn is it off. Heat. Yeah. Turn it up. But that's I guess yeah, I, I agree with that. I think. The same thing like with Amazon, you can push a button and have something coming like the next day on a lot of items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like anything, dude. Yeah. Gosh. Freaking nuts. And I think all of this ties in well to um one of Jordan Peterson's rules is make friends with people who want the best for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're surrounded by these people and you are getting corrected, you can sit there and like, yeah, it doesn't feel good. But I know that Tanner has, is looking out yeah. for me. Or I know Tyler's looking out or Seth is looking out for me. Right, or right. Corey's looking out for me. She's coming from a place of love. Um, but that takes it. You can't just react. Yeah. I read a book and it was talking about reacting versus responding. Reacting is your initial response. Right, right. I guess that kind of makes it confusing. But responding is when you step back and you think about it and then like you act, give an answer. Don't react yeah. type of a deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Think about it. Um, so it takes discipline. It takes humility. It takes all the things that everyone wants but no one wants to work to have. Mm. But it's like, at the same time, you have to know the people that love you and want the best for you. You have to know that they're really in your corner. I think you go down on a tangent on that as well because it's the same. Like, yeah, I know Chase wants what's best for me because you've shown it to me two or three times. You know what I mean? I know Seth wants what's best for me. Everybody at this table can sit down and hold each other accountable and do something. You say you're going to do something, let's make it happen type of a deal. But I may have a new friend that I've known for a while or just met. You wouldn't go put all your eggs in one basket to speak, you know what I mean, and just listen solely to this one person. Yeah. And I've learned that just in my short lifetime so far, even with like business owners who I thought, man, they got it. They got it figured out, dude. Like they're set, you know, they're making money. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go sit under them for a minute and learn some stuff. And as soon as you get there, dude, it's like, you know, a lot of stuff. I'm not going to take it away from you, but there's a lot of stuff that you just wing at it hardcore. And that's part of business, I think, but, and that's the business side of things. But then that goes into relational, um, like your teaching and your schooling and stuff like that. There's some teachers you knew, you're like, hey, this dude wants what's best for me. And some people are just kind of manipulative with it. And they're like, no, you figure it out type of a deal. You know what I mean? And they're supposed to be there for you and they're not. That's a teacher. But I took it the same way like as in business. There's people that are supposed to help me. I went certain places. Hey, I want to come work for you or help you with whatever because I want to pick up what you do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the whole time it's like an underlying motive. They're like, yeah, perfect. Get tenor. He'll come in here and work. I know how he works, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And as soon as you get in there, they're like, oh, I don't know, man. Yep, just keep doing what you're doing. I don't know. Keep doing it. And you're like, dude, help me out. That's why I came here. Yeah. Um, so I and think give you got to Give me know. milestones. Like, if I do X, <clears throat> Y is given to me. Yeah. Or if I do fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, and have it in paper. Hey, <laughs> if Tanner closes 10 houses this year, 
he will be awarded X amount of dollars. If Tanner closes 20 houses this year and a line for you to sign and a line for them to sign. And then it's in paper. It's sad that we have to go to that far, though. Yeah, used to be a handshake. Yeah. That sucker's long gone. (laughs) And what you said about um, talking about leaders to some degree earlier Mm. and you, Tanner, bringing a skill set. Rockefeller, one of the founding people of our nation, he was on the backside of it. At the point in time, he would have been like an elitist, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a dark side to the Rockefellers, but he was very good at what he did, and I think he should be recognized for that. And what he was really good at, him and um, the Carnegies, they weren't necessarily good at any one thing, but for whatever reason, they're really good at getting people around them who filled in their weaknesses. And they were awarded accordingly. Like, hey, I'm not good at selling. This guy over here, he's the best salesman in the entire country. Yeah, you're working for me. And awards him accordingly. So they weren't like really good at any one thing. They're just amazing leaders. Yeah, they're amazing leaders and they got people around them to fill in their weaknesses. Isn't it the same thing? But like you could go, I'll just keep playing devil's advocate over here. But Hitler is the same way, dude. I've always talked, like I've talked to a couple people about that. Like, dude, Hitler was a freaking good leader, bro. Yeah, people don't like to hear that though. But he was a freaking good leader. Uh, He had people following him any way he pointed. They were Mm -hmm. going, doing whatever they could do. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. I was going to look up the name of this book. There's a book. Jordan Peterson talks about it all the time where a bunch of honest cops from Germany were told from an honest leader. They were like German cops, right? They were told from their leader, like, hey, y'all guys are going to have to do some things that you're not going to be comfortable with. If you guys are not comfortable with, just go home right now because Hitler commanded him to go to Poland and start policing the people. And you see people who are honest cops like, oh, yeah, I can go over to his house and knock on the door and get a gallon of milk from him or whatever. Go from that to killing like pregnant women in the street because they were Jewish right within like a couple months span. You see the flip between people. It's like he was a phenomenal leader. He led him to the wrong thing, but imagine like it's crazy to think that one person could push people that far in the opposite direction. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. People don't want to hear that he was a good leader, but he was one of the greatest leaders our planet has ever seen. Uh, He just did bad things. And I think part of that, Part of that was no checks and balances. Mm-hmm. He just had free reign. He could do whatever he want, uh, wanted. The other side of that, and we've already talked about it, all the little lies. People get to believing you and then you drop a big lie and they're like, okay. Yeah. For anybody who's interesting, the book is called Ordinary Men. It's by uh, Christopher Browning. And what Jordan Peterson talks about in regards to that is people ask, how could someone do something like that? And Jordan Peterson says, how are more people not doing that because humans capacity for evil is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's shocking to me that more of it hasn't happened. Um, and I never framed that thought in that way. The biggest point that I've taken from it is like, if you were in Germany during, you know, World War II, that era, you would have been one of the people that were pushing Jews out of their houses. It's like 99.8% of people were pushing Jews out of their houses Mm -hmm. It was like, you think, like, right now, looking back, you can say, oh, yeah, well, I would have I would gotten never. Anne Frank out of there. And it's like, no, you wouldn't have. You would have been knocking on her door. Like, yeah. that's, that's just that's because that's what's being because forced. Because their capacity for evil is mm-hmm. tremendously huge. Yeah. And it's being forced down your throat every day. And it's just slowly getting more and more, quote, unquote, right. 
No, this is the this is the correct way. This is right. Yeah. This is right. Which, if you guys aren't, well, we've talked about this. I know you, but the listeners, if you guys aren't paying attention, that's happening right now. Yep. It happens every single day, either your workforce or the politicians or whatever, dude, at your home. People just do it all the time. Even sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it. They're helping you. They're nudging you, you know. Caitlin and I talk about that sometimes, like nudge. You can nudge people very easily. Yeah. You don't have to tell them, hey, we're going to go kill all the Jews. But at some point you're going to get there. It's like Chase talked about. You're going to give you a little lie, a little lie, a little lie. And then eventually it's like, hey, we're killing everybody over here. And they're like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you push somebody a little bit. Until they say something about it, and then you stop, and you can stand there. Yeah, and you can push. And you're like, them no, I'm with bit. you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, and then you push them a little bit, and then they're gonna they're gonna say something about it, and then you know, after several hundred you instances, and miles miles away. Yeah, absolutely. So this is this is appropriate to bring up the dark the dark side of the Rockefeller that I was talking about earlier, um, and I'm learning more about it. But how our education. Our educational system was essentially in our, the American Education Board was started, financed by the Rockefellers. And Rockefeller's right-hand man, I forget what his name is, but there's a statement from him that said, we are funding the American education system so that we can create more workers for our factories. We need them to be smart enough. Workers. Yes. We need them to be smart enough to follow instructions, responsible enough to be here on time and consistently, but not... Uh, thoughtful enough or not intelligent intelligent enough or not independent enough to go and do something on their own. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation of our education system. And you could argue it's a foundation of our political system as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we need these people smart enough to like show up and vote, but we don't need them smart enough to start asking these serious questions. Yeah, look at the whole like the whole Maxwell situation that just happened with the whole Epstein stuff like that. You know, not smart enough to ask questions. You're not going to ask well, where's all the people that she sold, you know, child sex slaves to? But you're going to say, oh, yeah, she did sell child sex slaves. Send her to jail. That's, I mean, smart enough to agree, but not smart yeah. enough to think for yourself about it. Yeah. Just ask questions. <laughs> Goes yeah. back to earlier episodes. You know what I mean? And some of this stuff, I just recently started coming across, coming across the, the whole Rockefellers mm-hmm. and then, like, donating and funding the American Education Board. Yeah. And it starts to make sense yeah. uh, when you look back and it's like, and we talked about schools and education systems and society not letting little boys be little boys. Like a little girl does something, you're like, yeah, good job, high five. Yeah. A little boy steps out of line just a little bit and he gets whipped. Yeah. It's like, and then he just turns into this personality-less it's individual. Like castrated little. Yeah, and so he just has his head down and he's sitting in the classroom um, and that, cause I think people are afraid of what that little boy could become. Yeah. And so it's like, he steps out with, yeah, back of the classroom, sit in the hallway and yeah. just get, try get out and, the hall chase. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> but it's like, you're scared of what they're going to become. That could be better than you. Yeah. And that's like threatening to way too many people. Yep. It shouldn't be that threatening, but it is. And I heard something sad uh, from an individual I was talking to. Uh, and I think he was just joking around, but he said something along the lines of like, I don't want to have a kid because there's the potential he could be better than me. I'm like, that's the whole point. Yes. That's the whole point. Yep. Like you find, I'm Chase. I find a mate who I think is good for me. And like, in subconsciously, I'm thinking, I'm trying to find a mate that's going to help me have strong offspring. Mm-hmm. That's part of our genetic makeup. Um, it's why guys like girls with wide hips yeah. because they have hips that are, capable to give birth to birthing to a baby 
you don't think about that, but that's why we like wide hips as a general rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and girls like guys with broad shoulders because that shows demonstrates that they can carry the load that the world is going to place upon them in a roundabout way. Um, isn't that interesting? That is weird. I've heard the hips one, but not the shoulders one. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So that's why they like to see wide shoulders. Wow. Because it shows it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I need to hit the shoulder <laughs> game a little more. What size suit you wear, Chase? <laughs> I have no idea. Get 44 R, watch out. <laughs> Let's get it. But that, I think that's the whole point of reproducing. Yep. One, because biologically to keep our species alive we need to procreate Two, biblically we're called to go forth and um fill the earth with more populate yeah yeah populate the earth be fruitful and multiply is what he said don't just be fruitful and multiply dude whenever you do that bro you're the person that's responsible for making them better than you anyway Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. still there's a ton of work there after the fact of populating the earth yeah yeah they'll just throw kids out no big deal but then what are you going to do for the next 20 years, 25, 30, 40 years? You know what I mean? Yeah. How long do you have left on the earth? Yeah. I'm 26 mm, today. 100 years. Right? I'm 26 today. A lot of my family dies like mid-60s. Yeah. So let's just say I got 40 years left. Wes will be like 40 and some change, it's, right? Can uh, you I believe that, believe bro? That's crazy. I've got 40 years left. I'm already a third of the way there. Well... Give or take. I mean, there is a genetic role, but there's also a lifestyle role. If you're eating good foods, drinking water, getting your sleep, working out, yeah, unless you some traumatic thing happens, you're probably going to live a long, healthy life. Yeah, Yeah, depends on how many packs a day of Marble Reds you smoke. (laughs) Yeah, 12. (laughs) 12 packs a day. 12. Yeah, you make it to like 70, 80. You'll be all right, bro. You'll make it. But no, that's, that's like the, I think a lot of people miss that part or they think it's just fun right now. And then whenever you actually have the kid, it's like, I gotta take care of this sucker every day, and you're gonna kick and scream, and you're gonna yell at them, and like, and we're all guilty of it. There's days yeah. that I'm shorter than I should be with my children, but at the same time, I have to like refocus myself and say, okay, this kid's only gonna see me for another forty years. <clears throat> In the grand scheme of things, that's not very long. No. In my life, I'm only twenty six. So I'm like, oh, I got time, but. You know what I mean? I made what, hit a car wreck in a couple couple weeks and it's gone. And the last thing I do is scream at my child. You know what I mean? So it's kind of one of those deals where I try to refocus myself and say, okay, at one point, at some point, I want Wes to do way better than me. How am I going to get him there? Nudging, quote unquote, nudging. Here I'm talking about it. And you, yeah, apply the correction, but correctly, correctly apply the correction. Yeah. And yeah, but then there we go back to what we were just talking about nudging. I want my kid to be a certain way, so I'm gonna nudge him into a certain way. Yeah. Hopefully, it's for good, right? Because yeah. Hitler's mom and dad probably nudged him in the right way. You never yeah. know. You know what I mean? They probably yeah. told him he had to go to church, and they probably nudged. I don't know. Yeah. But you never know. Did some people just have evil in their hearts, and sometimes they were raised that way. And I, I think something that helped me is, and when my dad was raising me with correction, because it took me a long time to see that he was coming from a loving place. And I didn't realize this until recently. And a big portion of that is because he told me, he was like, because um, when I have a kid down the road, mm-hmm. uh, I want to try to be as good of a, of a dad as my dad was to me. So I was asking him, like, what was one, what is one piece of applicable advice mm-hmm. you could give me to be a good father? He said, always treat your kids with respect. And it's like, no matter what, yeah. even if you're like, even if I was spanking you, like, made sure that you understand why you're getting a spanking, yeah, make yeah. sure that you knew I was coming from a place of love. And I always tried my best to show respect to you. Yeah. And I think over time I just built up this, um, 
call it like an emotional bank account and he deposited into yeah, that. Yeah. And then when something seemed out of line, like I could trust that he was being respectful and was coming yeah. from a loving place because he had deposited so much into my emotional bank account. So much positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And when he did have a hiccup as humans inevitably will. Forgive, yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier to forgive. So come from a loving place here. Your correction. Yeah. Is the, is the end of the, what we're trying to get to, I guess. And understand where the, if you're on the receiving end of it, understand who the individual is giving that correction. Mm-hmm. Hey, is this just some bum off the street or is this like a really close friend, a really close family member yeah. um, that you can be pretty confident that they're coming from a loving place yeah. and then accept that correction accordingly. Yeah. And then focus on that with your, the people that are behind you. It may not even be your kids. It may just be like your younger siblings that are looking up to you or just a younger kid that you're around like a church or camp or whatever. There's a lot of people watching you. So, do it, do it right, you know, yeah. that there, you want everybody, the end goal is like you want everybody to be better than you, but you still, because that's going to push you too, mm-hmm. it's going to make you better, but at the same time, you want everybody to be a better version of themselves. That's something I really appreciate about, because I recently started doing more CrossFit workouts, and the CrossFit gym I'm at, CrossFit Amarillo, just a wicked number of what I would call elite level athletes, mm-hmm. their capacity to complete a tremendous amount of work in a very small amount of time blows my mind and there's like a dozen of them there mm-hmm. like how are they? <laughs> they all just hang out in the same spot yeah. yeah and you know that you're going like toe-to-toe with some of the best people in Amarillo so it definitely helps push yep. but if you're at a gym and you don't have that it's like I know some people leaving some gyms and coming to our gym because we do have that yeah so I think that's pretty neat yeah thanks for listening today yeah if you feel like you got a little gem of knowledge, um, something that you can apply to your daily life. Uh, we don't do sponsorships. <laughs> we don't do ads. Come through. We have tons Please. of people. We have tons of people messaging um, us trying to give us money, but, but we're not going to do it because <laughs> we want you guys not to have ads. You're welcome. Yeah. Not doing ads, not doing sponsorships right now. Uh, but what we do ask is if, you feel like you got something from it please share with a friend uh post to your instagram and let us know what you like let us know what you don't like because we too need to be corrected Mm.